Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Roman, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. In this incredible studio space in East Berlin, Mahala. Um, it's quite, quite the space, isn't it's it? It's quite something, right? It's yeah. the, the old side of Berlin uh, we're, we're experiencing here. And I'm, yeah, uh, one of the few places that are still out here in Berlin. So yeah, pretty cool we can be here. Amazing. Yeah, well, it's great to be here and um, great to be able to have a chat with you. Um, what have you been up to recently? How have you been keeping? Yeah, good. Uh, lots of traveling lately and in the summer. So I'm actually really happy to be back in Berlin. Wintertime is coming in Berlin, which is, is uh, it's challenging, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, for a couple of months. So still, still good weather right now. But yeah, very happy to be here. I'm very excited that we are able to talk. So thanks. Fantastic. Well, I wanted to have a chat with you about your, your history with Hollow Plot. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be in this role as CEO of, you know, what is positioning itself as one of the most sort of pioneering audio companies in the business? What, what's your journey from what was a very different background yeah. into this senior role within, within Hollow Plot? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't found the company initially. Um, that happened in 2011 by someone else. And I met them in like 2013, 14, um, by coincidence. And uh, back then there wasn't really much yet. It was four, four people uh, in very geeky four people <laughs> in, a, in a garage in, in Potsdam, just outside of um, Berlin. And it was really like, you know, lab work that was being done at that point in time. But some of the very few bits and pieces um, that I could experience were very impressive. And although I'm not from, as you rightly said, from the AV industry, uh, it was pretty clear that this is, this is radically different. This is radically new. Um, and that, that excited me very early on. And I didn't really plan to engage with them uh, much more. I was doing other things. I was entrepreneurial um, before and at that time. Um, but then it happened that the company uh, got into a very difficult phase um, and um, the original founder had left the company. So there were the, the, the kind of the tech team was there. Um, and the question was, okay, does that business continue or not? And I took the took the chance to look into it in terms of like, what are, what are we actually doing there? Mm. Um, and is there something that, you know, you can, you can really build out of that? Um, because from an, like, from an entrepreneurial perspective, kind of where I'm coming from, I was extremely intrigued by it, but I didn't know if this was just because it's interesting or because there's real value behind it. Mm. Um, and I did that for a couple of months just to really understand what is it really? Because also everyone in the team had a bit of a different opinion what it actually was, <laughs> uh, which was also quite interesting. Um, and then I decided to to give it a shot and um, I took over the business. Um, so I was the owner of the company um, and restarted it, right? So I consider myself the founder of the second life of it yeah. um, because we we changed everything at that point in time from um, together with the team, one, what, it, what initially kind of was the journey. Um, which was more in the direction of hi-fi applications. Um, and, you know, we steered away from that and concentrated on, on pro audio and on some other things. Uh, that was in 2016. And mm. uh, that's, that's where the journey started. Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting way of looking at it, almost as, you know, the, 
the founder of the second phase of, of Holoplot. But just to track back again a little bit before that, what was it that appealed to you about this company? You said there's that entrepreneurial spirit that you that may have already been there, but having come from a background which I believe was in economics, mm-hmm. what was it about pro-AV that, that kind of led you away from there and into a, an incredibly different marketplace in a very different industry? I think um, I grew up in a very kind of m- musical family. Um, I had to, you know, I, I had to play the chimes and then the flute and then the piano and then the guitar. So every every um, family gathering was someone was 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 an orchestra, mm-hmm. a little, like a little concert in an orchestra. And um, so it was it was always you know audio music sound was kind of always there in, in my life. And um, later on, I started a little bit of music production, very amateur level and then DJing. So I really always totally enjoyed it. And um, even until today, when I, you know, have some time to make some music or, you know, play at the company party, <laughs> um, it gives me a lot of energy and, and, and makes me very happy. Um, and I think encountering then Holoplot that was more on the, on the output end, obviously, because at that point in time, frankly, I didn't know how a speaker works. Right. And, um, but it excited me in terms of like what I could do with that from, um, you know, the musical side of it. And that was one part. And the other thing was just like looking at it from an innovation perspective and the impact that I expected, um, from it that it would have on, must have on an industry if you are able to do some of these things that we were able to do in the beginning. Um, that triggered kind of my entrepreneurial side of it. And, that cooked up together a little bit and I was like, okay, this is something, you know, I need to know whether I believe this is an opportunity or whether it isn't. I can't just let it sit there and not look at it. Yeah. You know, it was too, too appealing. Yeah. How did you go about kind of creating a vision for it? What was your view on where the company was and where you wanted it to go and how did you, and how do you continue to go about making that happen? Yeah. It's, um, I think, a very big, if not all of my time initially, I spent on really learning about different parts of the technology and the market. Right? Um, because I think in order to be able to make decisions for such a product-focused business, you really need to understand uh, the edges of it. Right. So where where do you have advantages over others and where do you have pitfalls and how do you navigate through that? Uh, and this is where I really kind of dived in and I enjoy that part as well because um, I'm not an engineer by education, but I think I'm, 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 I was raised in an engineering household. My father's an engineer, so I'm, I'm very like, I really like to look on to how things work and, and understand them and I get pleasure from it. So I spend a lot of time in, in that uh, and just learning from the team you know, what, what is this? What's your opinion? What's your opinion? Why does this work? What does this component do? Why are we not doing it differently? Uh, and I'm trying to carry this forward um, until today. Obviously, we're, you know, uh, I don't have that much time anymore to be on that necessarily on that level. But from time to time, I really like to go um, very deep into it. Um, I recently built, you know, one of our products completely end to end and like to understand, you know, what does each of these things do and why, you know, and what can we improve about it? Um, I think that's that's important. And then I think uh, you need to be very frank and let go of your passion when you look at what's the actual opportunity about it. I might get excited 
by what this does on a technical level, but you know, you, you need to get a kind of um, sober look at who cares. Um, and that I didn't know in the beginning. Um, the most people that I talked to in the industry, they were like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> this is crazy. This will never work. Um, and that motivated me a little bit, to be honest, because uh, I, I, kind of, I kind of enjoyed the challenge. Um, and I could see that, you know, they will care at some point if this works. And there were a few people who kind of saw the potential in it and they were very enthusiastic about it and concentrating on those people and kind of, you know, why are they enthusiastic about what we're doing? What do they see? Where could this go? Um, and trying, you know, between these boundaries to steer along in terms of like, this looks like a road that is, you know, ambitious, feasible, but um, commercially viable. I, I perceive that kind of my my role until today. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest. Um, what was your immediate view of the industry when you came into it? When you took over the company, it's you know this is an industry that has uh, at its heart quite a lot of long-established names, whether that's companies yeah. or individuals. You know, a lot of the big companies and the big players in this field have been doing this for a long time and have largely been led by industry kind of figureheads who have mm -hmm. been around for several decades and they've been used to doing things in quite a specific <coughs> way. What was it that made you think you could come in and not only enter this field, but do something different with it and establish yourself as a, as something unique in a, in what's quite a conservative and, and well, well-established sector. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I must say like, I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of respect for everyone who has you know, built businesses in, in any industry and also particular in, in this industry. Uh, <clears throat> but it was an interesting experience because it's, 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 a, it's a very kind of special um, industry. I haven't really seen that before. But it's also a bit of a conservative, um, I want to say dusty, but it's like, you know, it, it hasn't been shaken up a lot, I feel, in, in, in the last uh, decades. And... Um, it's funny because talking to a lot of audio people, you know, from what I experienced, there's a lot, um, some, some of them, sometimes there's a bit of a bitterness that, that audio is, it doesn't have the, you know, priority sometimes in, in projects um, over other things. And uh, I often heard the complaint, yeah, but we're coming last, you know, we have the least time to prepare or tune the system or prepare the show because everything else comes first. We have to, you know, make compromises to where the system goes because of the visuals. Uh, I was like, yeah, because, you know, <laughs> the visual just stepped up, you know, they took huge risks on certain um, innovations and they just kept advancing and kept impressing. Obviously, visual is different from, from audio, from consumer per um, perception, um, I guess, but audio has played it very safe, I found. You know, we, they, the, the industry was kind of, you know, perfectioning certain ways and making sure everything you know, works very well, which is totally um, le legit, but hasn't really made these kind of peak impressions um, where, where no one really expected this to happen. Huh? Yeah. Um, and uh, I just felt this is, you know, needed <laughs> and necessary. Um, and that, that, that takes a little bit of convincing, I guess, uh, to these, you know, figureheads in, in the industry. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was going to ask yeah. that next, actually. How has the, re the response been? Because 
undoubtedly there will be people that say, yeah, this is great. The industry needs new blood. It needs people to come in and shake things up a little bit. But there will undoubtedly also be some of those who are saying, hang on a minute, who, who, who are you to come in from this very different background and start telling us how to do things differently? Yeah. yeah. I think what I found is that, that um, people in this industry, they don't want to be told anything and they don't want to be convinced. <laughs> they want to convince themselves. And uh, I appreciate that. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, so what, what we're trying to do is we're just trying to present them with facts um, on what we can provide them with as a toolbox, as an opportunity, as something to work with. And we're just laying these facts out. And the facts, I think, speak for themselves um, because we, we have a technology and products today which are just very, very strong um, and, and superior to conventional technologies in many regards, I would say. Um, and we're, we're trying to rather present that um, and let them validate it for, for themselves. Yeah. And that, that worked, I think, quite well. And once, once you have you know, them understand the facts, then you can kind of tie the vision on top of that, and then it becomes an, an, easier, an easier access to it. Uh, and if you can't, if you can't really uh, convince them, then, you know, You need to hire them. <laughs> uh, no, but we have we have we have been very fortunate to um, um, have colleagues joining us who are figureheads uh, themselves from the industry, and I think that also gives credibility um, to us that we're not just you know, a bunch of crazy people from Berlin, but that we actually know what we're doing. Yeah, has that been key to to kind of convincing people of your vision, actually getting people to come in? whether it's at demos or coming into your offices and actually hearing what the technology can do. Yeah, I think it's, it's the beauty and the beast kind of, 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 of our technology, right? Because you, it sounds too good on paper um, to be actually true, so you need to hear it. But then once you hear it, it really does something, right? And, it, and I've, I've done a lot of demos <laughs> the last couple of years. I've done a lot of demos. And um, I never really had anyone going out of this and saying, you know, this doesn't work or this doesn't impress me or anything like this. So that, that part really um, is super important for us um, that you have to have that experience for yourself in order to be able to project what can this experience do to others. And, you know, that's then where things start to get interesting. Yeah. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about the technology and what your products are capable of? Because... You know, particularly in the world of you know, 3D, immersive, spatial audio, whatever you want to label that particular mm -hmm. world. But, you know, that's been such an area of conversation and activity in, well, I say recent years, for probably about the past decade or so in, in AV and audio circles. And lots of companies are trying to do different things. They've released immersive or, you know, uh, spatial audio products into that space. What is it that you're doing that's different and, and how is it different? Okay, there, there are a lot of uh, different parts yes, <laughs> to that I want to answer. That's no, good, it's a great question. Um, so first of all, maybe I start with what, what's Holoplot and what do we yeah. do? And then we go into, you know, what, what does immersive kind of mean for us? Mm -hmm. Holoplot is like um, kind of a next generation software-driven audio technology that uh, allows you to do things with an extremely high degree of flexibility. And we basically do two things. Um, the first one is we provide you with um, 
a completely new level of control over the sound propagation. So you can now control the horizontal and the vertical independently from each other to an, an incredibly high degree down to head size or, you know, up to a stadium. And within that field, um, you know, the experience is equal for everyone because we create sound waves that hardly lose energy over distance. That's one very big part. That's a very functional application of our technology because it just serves the purpose of, um, you know, projecting sound efficiently. The other part is uh, the creative side, which is more on, on, you know, to the to your question on immersive. And there we have a number of, of capabilities. Um, but what we're actually doing is we're, we're able to move an audio app object independently from the actual, you know, speaker position, even into the space, which then kind of appears like a hologram of sound. You have an audio object that is, you know, here, and you cannot, uh, you perceive it here as originating um, location, and you, you cannot um, determine where it's actually being reproduced. And that gives you a, a great creative uh, power. So these are kind of the two things. And on the functional side, we provide people just with, you know, the ability to, to get better results to wherever they want to use sound. And on the creative side, we just allow creatives now to have another layer of access in their creative process because it's not just sound reproduction, it's you can work with that sound, right? So you can suddenly access the output of it and, and change it. And that becomes like, you know, another, another tool in, in your process, um, that wasn't, wasn't there before. So that's kind of what, what, uh, what we do from a technology standpoint. And then on, on, what was the question on the immersive side? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it was about how do you, how do you establish yourself in, in a market like that where so many long established big name market leaders, if you like, in that world have, have launched and released products that label themselves as immersive or spatial audio focused pro products. How do you do something that they can't do? What is it that you're bringing to the table? that's new and innovative that isn't already out there for people to, to experience and, and hear in the market? Yeah, I think uh, quite a few things. If I think about immersive, um, and again, you know, because I'm like an outsider looking at this, this topic, and when I, I never, I struggled um, to really understand what people actually mean by that, and I had the impression everyone means something different. I think they do. They do. Right? People, some people still think something <laughs> so, different. Like, so when, when the conversation about, conversation about immersive sounds, I'm always trying to find out what, what are we actually talking about, mm. because, um, yeah, people just have different interpretations. For it. It's not, it's not super, well, um, super well defined. I think from, from an end you know, um, user experience, uh, we don't care about how many speakers there are uh, around us, you know, preferably there are not none, uh, but the sound comes from everywhere. Um, and I think this is, you know, there, there are a couple of, um, if I just think of me, what, what, what does the end experience need to look like? And I think there are a couple of things that I think would be important to, to me as a listener, which is, first of all, sound needs to come from, from everywhere, which from an, um, audio tech perspective means you need to be able to position sound somewhere where there's not a speaker. Um, and that's already quite a challenge. 
um, you need to be, I want audio to feel, to really feel immersive, it needs to be able to work with proximity, it needs to go far away, it needs to come close, so I need to be able to have an intimate experience because this is what the world is about, right? I can have, you know, an experience here and others over there and it's different. Um, and I need to be able to move around and explore. If I walk over there, I want to have a different experience than over here. And that's what, for me, if, if, if these things are happening, then I'm pretty immersed, right? If I'm, if I'm fixed on a seat and I have speakers all over me and I cannot move and then I hear sound from behind me, then I don't feel super immersed because I feel extremely artificially positioned. Um, and we're trying to, to look at this from, from that point, right? So we're trying to, how can we create these experiences that are more natural and that are more, um, irrelevant of how many speakers they're actually being positioned. And ideally, we don't have to position them at all because, you know, sometimes we're using targeted reflections to create um, a sound from an, from an object, although there is no, no speaker. We do some of these things um, coming from what does, what does the listener experience actually need to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, are there any particular applications or markets where you can see this technology being particularly effective i mean there's you know having been at one of the demos that holoplot held yeah. in london recently it was remarkable to see what was capable with the object-based element of, of the sound it was you know there was the uh there was a, a point where you you could stand in one position facing a speaker and hear mm -hmm. a language being spoken at you you move however many feet to the side and you yeah. hear a completely different language with no interference. Yeah. Uh, so you can already imagine the type of applications, maybe things like conferences or exhibits, things like that, where, where that might be yeah. really useful. But are there any more, I don't know, conventional ways that it can be used? If, if you're trying to deal with, you know, really reflective surfaces in a venue, how do you, I guess the, the, short, the shorter version of that question is what are going to be the predominant markets for you to be targeting? Yeah. I think one of our challenges is that we have a very powerful tool um, that depending on how you use it and where you use it, you have uh, different benefits of it. And you, you need to be able to communicate this to whoever wants to use it in what kind of circumstances. And that's something that we're you know, constantly learning to do, to do better. I think the, I, I would again probably classify it in this, like there's a functional side of it and then there's a creative side of it. And um, on the, on the functional side, everything where, you know, you want, you want to project sound maybe in a, in a more challenging environment um, or um, anything where you just care about a great acoustic result, um, this is where we are really strong. You know, we did um, recently the largest mosque in Africa, for example, the very challenging room acoustics. It's all about speech intelligibility. Um, but we also did the Beacon Theater in, in New York, which is you know a Broadway theater. And it's just about a classical left to right application of everyone should have the same best experience. And I think we did both of them pretty well um, from you know the reviews, the reviews, but also just you know um, the, the 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 quantifiable results. And <clears throat> that I think is where we are predominantly in the future. Um, because these are the majority of the, the projects out there. You either solve a problem or you do things significantly better. 
And then on the creative, on the, on the immersive side, which is a more emerging, um, uh, market is something where we are just really, really good at in terms of kind of where we're coming from, but we're trying to work against that, um, uh, perception that kind of, you know, initially is there and sometimes also like triggered maybe by us in our own uh, demos where we show extreme examples of control over sound. Um, that, you know, sometimes people think, oh, I need to find that very specific um, application of you need to hear something else than I do, which is more of a representation of our capabilities than, you know, the actual, sure. the actual necessary use case. Yeah. So we are right now with the current product, we're we're in entertainment, right? So we're doing everything from theme parks, immersive experiences, live shows. Uh, and frankly, right now, the market comes to us and tells us, oh, we would like to do this and like to do that. And we were like, initially, we haven't really thought about going into it, but because there are some, you know, figureheads yeah. that are really pushing for using it in those, we're like, sure, let's, you know, let's, let's do it. Um, and uh, yeah, ultimately, the, you know, the, the product just sounds really good also. Yeah. Um, so I think a conventional application of that is, is you know, we, we need to detach a little bit from all these capabilities that you have with the product because in the end you just want to have great sound, right? And this yeah. this product gives you that very reliable, re reliably independent of, you know, where you are. Yeah. And I think this is where we're going to be predominantly. Yeah. I mean, what can you tell us about the Holoplot team? You know, is this a, a business that's scaling up fairly rapidly? It sounds like there's a lot of opportunity out there in the market, different areas to try and attack. What can you tell us about the business and how that's operating day to day? Is that something that you're looking to, you know, purely in terms of headcount and locations? Are you yeah. looking to grow fairly rapidly at the moment? We have been growing fairly rapidly in the last few years. So when, when I uh, took over, um, as I said, we were four. We are today uh, uh, just above uh, 130. Wow. Um, so in the last, um, specifically in the last three years, we have been scaling up um, quite significantly. We are predominantly located in Berlin, but we have also, you know, um, uh, cooperation in the US and a team in the US. So um, we, we're going to continue to grow in that market because we are, we're, we're constantly we feel constantly understaffed to what we what we have to achieve, um, and it has been quite an quite an experience because we started from literally nothing, and you know, in a very short period of time, we we had to make very big leaps um, with little margin for error uh, during that time because we had to deliver um, on some you know, key projects. So. Um, we were building up the company, we were building up the team, we were building up a full-fledged, you know, digitally equipped production site um, here in Berlin where our products are being uh, manufactured. Um, you know, we, we branched out to the US and, and other markets and that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to continue to do. So it was very exciting so far and it's very, it's going to be very exciting the next yeah. few years as well. <laughs> do you feel pressure to, to scale quickly as well? Because as you described yourself earlier as being an outsider coming into this industry and having made some quite bold statements about what, what your company is capable of and, you know, the fact that the rest of the market can do with a bit of shaking up. Yeah. Does that mean there's extra pressure and, and scrutiny uh, being placed on your head and the company as a whole as well? I mean, do, do you feel that? Is that something where you feel there's a real statement that needs to be made 
to the rest of the market or do you try and you know just put that to one side and do what the business needs organically and and you grow naturally that way i just wondered how much that kind of factors into the the vision and the roadmap for the company i think there is i think if 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 you're a newcomer uh and you want to play in you know top of the league um you're going to be looked at you know to at different measures because you have to do things you know significantly better because always everyone's going to point the finger at you oh yeah of, you know of, of course they didn't know because you know they were lacking this and this and this so i think you also have that um hunger to do things you know better initially mm. and you need to be a bit careful that you're not trying to do everything better at the same time because you might get lost in it so focus i think is um is quite uh, uh important in that but frankly we have been under quite a lot of scrutiny in the last few years because you know we're doing this here in 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 vegas as a you know one of the biggest projects in the world and um coming from where we were as a small company with you know not a marketable product at that point in time to you know doing this product there's you need to pass a lot of gates <laughs> to um to to prove that you're that you're ready for it uh and back to your question on on the team and um you know the the people at Holoplot I think you know the only reason we got there is because of we have a, I think a phenomenal team and what I took away from this during that time actually was there were so many moments in the history of of Holoplot where we were like that's it you know there is no way we're going to get through this like physics <laughs> yeah you can't change physics right and there, there, we had so many of these but we were just like you know closing the office one day and we're like yeah let's come back tomorrow but i, I don't think we're going to find a way to resolve that and somehow we did and the team did you know and someone came up with an idea and you know we moved on and this happened so many times and this builds this this really changed i think the way people think and how the brain works because you look at everything as like you can you can pass it you can overcome everything um and it gives you also this you know drive um that i can see in when i look at the team everyone is just like you know we can do this um and we can you know we cannot just get barely make it we can you know make it really better than what was out there before at least that's that's the ambition and that's that's what i love the most about the whole journey yeah. um with follow blood because uh, i'm really i'm really proud about the team that we have been able to assemble and it's what gives me you know joy and fun and uh, uh that's what it's ultimately all, all about and it's great to see yeah I and mean, you mentioned the uh the sphere project a minute ago mm-hmm. what can you tell us about that at this stage Yeah, it's a phenomenal project. <laughs> um it's 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 um it's it's going to change the world, I think, in terms of what we are um yeah, what how we experience um uh, entertainment and what kind of the next generation of that looks like. And we have been working on this for several years now, um very closely with uh, MSG and um we're going to open the venue uh, next year holoplot is the sole provider of the audio solution uh, in that venue and it's it's going to be quite something 
<laughs> it's something that I think the world, um, I mean, for sure hasn't seen before in terms of scale, um, but also in terms of capabilities um, and um, the drive for, you know, creating that kind of ultimate experience on that scale. Right? We're mm -hmm. talking about almost 20,000 um, people that are being fully immersed visually and, and audio-wise and in, in other senses as well. And uh, that's that's gonna be mm. that's gonna be phenomenal. And for us as a company, it has been um, you know has been a great opportunity to develop. Um, it has challenged us enormously. Uh, I think every major manufacturer would have been challenged by um, you know the requirements um, of this project. So we had to step up very 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 quickly. Um, but on the other hand. We had an advantage, I think, over others as well, because as we were growing, we were able to put the bricks in just the way they needed to be put in in order to, to make something mm -hmm. like this happen, right? Because we could still decide how are we doing things to be optimal for, you know, projects of that scale. Mm -hmm. uh, and others might just not maybe be in the position or don't have the flexibility anymore because they have already, you know, established infrastructures. Um, so it was really great to... To work, uh, to work alongside that and uh, overcome all of these little hurdles and, and, and challenges and um, validations of our technology also. Yeah. Because we have been working with, you know, we had the opportunity to work with, um, I think, you know, some of the best people in the industry that are involved with that project and that took a very, very close look at who is that little company from Berlin that is trying to, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, make the audio experience happen in here. Uh, and does that stuff really work? And um, I think we were able to prove that. Mm. Oh, for anyone who perhaps isn't familiar with what this project mm. is, can you just describe yeah. literally what it, what it looks like and, and what it's designed to be? Yeah, so the, the, the MSG sphere is a new uh, type of venue concept. Uh, it's a spherical-shaped building, complete LED on the outside, so you can map any image on it, and complete LED on the inside. So roughly 20,000 people are sitting completely visually immersed under a spherical, roughly, I think, 90-meter-high uh, screen. So it's ginormous um, um, screen and, and venue. And they're gonna, you know, experience different types of shows and contents that utilize various technologies, including this massive, um, world's largest LED screen. And MSG, Madison Square Garden, um, company from New York is behind that project. And they're, you know, building the first in, uh, of course, Las Vegas and, uh, many more locations, I think, are planned over the next coming years. London is, um, I think the next one. And you know they're gonna they're gonna branch that out. So it's not just one specific venue. It's really um, a concept and a new format that's gonna go out. Do you view that as a statement to the rest of the industry as to precisely what Holoplot is about and what it's capable of? I think it's a statement to like um, our capabilities to deliver to these you know the highest standard. Mm. I believe. Um, and in an, in an, in an incredible, you know, size. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's a light tower for us clearly, but on the other hand, you know, we can also do much, much smaller things. So, you know, I talked about the, the project we did in, in Africa, the, um, Africa's largest mm. mosque, which is probably the smallest um, we did, but it's 
equally ex exciting um, or differently exciting um, because we're just uh, hitting, you know, um, so many clear benefits of what we can deliver there in terms of, you know, we're throwing sound for 100 meters. We have speech, speech intelligibility above 0.6 in like a, you know, six second reverberant uh, room, you know, all these kind of like audio engineering um, uh, KPIs that I learned over the years. <laughs> but, um, so w what I'm saying is the, the sphere is the absolute pinnacle in terms of entertainment and, you know, we're, we're extremely proud and happy that we're um, able to do that. Um, but we're also, you know, on the complete other spectrum with the same product. Right, so we're 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 able to cater very very different needs, um, and I think this is important because it represents a little bit our foundations of what we do as a company, where how we build our product and the software behind it is you know it's based on scalability. So we don't have any limitations mm. whether we do this or whether we do that um, uh, project. And I think this is something that is you know then being represented to the market. Yeah. Do you view yourself more as a software company than you do an audio or pro AV company? I think we consider ourselves an audio tech company. Uh, audio is the what and tech software is the how. Um, if you look at our product and where really our capabilities lie, that's predominantly on the, on the software side. Um, we're hardware enabled, so we're using hardware um, in order to create the outputs of what, what we can do, but it's really kind of the software that allows us to get there. And common, like on an organization company uh, level side, in order to do this kind of what we consider a quantum leap in terms of you know, technology development and as an organization in terms of that scale, we're really looking to you know, recruit from a number of different industries. Um, we have pro audio people, um, of course, and we have some you know, great industry figureheads as we were talking about, but we're very, the, the rest is extremely diverse in terms of industry. We have people from automotive in our kind of, you know, manufacturing side. We have uh, people from gaming. We have people from software app development, you know, um, consumer electronics, consumer music. And it's this kind of melting pot that we're trying to create um, of people who have seen how do things work in other industries. Because I believe in, in other industries, there are certain, you know, in this industry, there are certain things that are better than in this industry. And I think we can benefit from those uh, in pro audio, which is, as we said before, a little bit more conservative in how things are being done and also, I believe, the speed of it. So we're trying to bring um, all of these things together from kind of the tech side and, you know, audio is the, the passion where we kind of uh, uh, live that ultimately. I mean, what does the future hold for Holocaust at this point, you know, is where approaching the end of 2022. Are there any new products or announcements on the horizon that you can tell us about or shed any light on at this, at this point? Or are we uh, going to have to wait until new, the new year before we hear any more about what's coming next for the company? I think we have a lot of um, interesting uh, you know, things planned for, for next year and, and upcoming, upcoming releases as well. I don't want to spoil the, the message uh, quite yet. So I would say stay tuned on uh, on what's coming uh, next year perfect well thank you so much roman it's been brilliant talking to you thanks so much for your thank time. you very much it was a lot of fun thanks headliner radio supporting the creative community